0: Uh, Marcus, I'll see you over there uh, with your youngest daughter. Uh, you are blessed, brother, to have Brittany as a wife because she definitely can sing a lot better than you can. And I just, I just want to encourage you in the Lord by still call today, right? So glad that you're here. A lot of people are still traveling, with all kinds of stuff, and we're grateful for that. But if you have your bibles or your phone or whatever you got, iPad, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke we're starting this series all the way up uh, to Christmas. So really, you only got three and a half weeks left, if you think about it, at Christmas. Uh, 30 days has November, April, June, uh, no, 30 days has September, April, June, and November. So you've only got uh, three or 25 days, three and a half weeks left to Christmas. So we want to kind of dive into this and see what God is doing. And one of my favorite movies, I have a lot of favorite movies, I just want to tell you about Christmas time. Christmas has inspired a lot, it's um, the Holy Spirit has used Christmas to inspire me personally and, 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 and even gave me a, a drama one time and they did it and it was pretty interesting I mean the Lord gave it to me actually on the road driving to seminary I was listening to some music and God gave me some stuff and it was pretty pretty wild I mean even like I told you before even me look at me I mean I'm a nobody Even God had me write a song and then they started playing it on the radio is that not the weirdest thing you've ever heard of in the world me I mean I, I can eat I know I have a spiritual gift of food, so uh, God bless me with that. But always say, saying, so, you know, it's interesting how that happens. So uh, I want to just put this out. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, and I'm and just, I'm going to use the new way for this. Uh, it says this, there's an appointed time for everything. There's an appointed time for everything. So if you think about it, there is a time for Christmas season. The Bible makes it very clear there's an appointed time for everything. And then he goes to the same verse, and there's a time, and there's a time for every event under heaven. There's a time for every event under heaven. One version says this, King James, for every season under heaven. There's a time for every season. So there's a time for Christmas. There's a time for everything. But what the Lord was show me is that this, is that everything that happens in our life. There's a time for every event or every season under heaven, which means this, God is in total control. God has everything in total control. So whatever happens, whatever event happens in our lives, it's under heaven. It's under God's control. So this gives us to our point, by the way, this is all on Facebook, some church, some of you see, every day. knows. It says this, the gospel of Jesus is always bigger than life. I, if you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. The gospel of Jesus is bigger than life. Why? Because any event that happens in our lives, any event, is under heaven. It means it's under the authority of heaven. So I want us to look at a passage. The next couple weeks, this is so profound for me. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to journey all the way in through Luke chapter 2. And you might say, why is that? I want you to see something powerful. After verses 1 through 4 in Luke, because Luke is this. Doctor who was with Paul, he was he was not with Jesus as the apostles, but he was with Paul in Acts. You can read it in the we passages, we when Paul was writing from a we uh, plural perspective. He hears Luke and he he tries to write in verse one 4 he says, "Look, I'm writing this stuff because I want you to know, uh, excellent the I want you to understand this is some serious stuff, and I want you to get it." Then he starts in verse five. And he starts with this guy named Zacharias. Or Zachariah, and his and his wife Elizabeth. And they're the parents of John the Baptist. And so he starts with them, and we have this whole temple there. Like he's in the temple. This angel speaks to him in the temple. And all of a sudden tells him, You're going to have a son, his name's going to be John. He's going to be a Nazarite. I'll display that from his birth. And he's going to bring people back to God. And then we have the story of Mary. Then we have the story of Elizabeth encountering Mary. And then this, the story begins to build and build and build. Then it talks about Joseph. Then it talks about the shepherds. And then we go into and it ends in Luke 2.52. It says this. After Jesus is dedicated to the temple. After Jesus has this encounter at 12 years old in the temple. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom stature. And figured what God man Starts at the temple ends in the temple, and then Jesus is baptized. Isn't it interesting that it started with the presence of God was supposed to dwell in the temple, and then in Luke, and then in Luke 3, the presence of God is in Jesus, meaning one day like 1 Corinthians 6 tells us we are the temple of God. So, let's look at Luke chapter 1, if you don't mind, you can turn there, and we'll just spend some time in this passage. The gospel of Jesus is always than life. Therefore, in everything under heaven, like I said in Ecclesiastes 3 1, the gospel of Jesus brings hope, meaning, and purpose. So here we have this point in Scripture where all of a sudden God is going to break through and He's going to speak to this priest. Name, is that the right? Now, before I get started with that, I want you to think about this. Rick Warren says it best. You may have never realized. That every time you check your calendar on your phone, whatever you do, or refer to a date, or you write a date down, you are using Jesus Christ as your reference point. Did you know that? Every date that you use, you're using Jesus Christ as a reference point. In other words, because of Jesus, history is divided. History is divided into BC, which stands for what, Saints? Which stands for what? I couldn't hear you. Before Christ. Don't listen to that textbook junk, B-C-E, before common era. They just want to take Jesus right out. Before Christ, and then all of a sudden separating the histories into the latter part of A.D., A.D., whatever. In our or in the year of the Lord. So I want you to think about that. He says every other event in history and every event on our calendar today is dated by how many days it has been since Jesus Christ appeared on the earth. Think about it that way. Even your birthday is dated by His birthday. He said. So if I say I'm John Davis, born May son my birthday is dated by the date of Jesus's birthday. My, every event in my life is dated by that. Your events in your life are dated by that. From your wedding day. To your birth date, to your death date, whatever it might be, is dated by that. The night Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, a small group, he said, of four shepherds were quietly tending their flocks of sheep in a nearby field, looking up at the stars. Nothing seemed different. Nothing seemed different from a thousand other nights. But what was about to happen would transform not only the shepherds, but also billions of lives as well their world would never be the same. Now let's enter into that world. Verse five. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, and Herod was a pseudo-faith, supposed Jew, who was not even dedicated to the Jewish people, but tried to pacify them by building a big, huge temple. And to well, he took the temple and built the area all around it. Like right now we have the wall, the waving wall, which is the wall outside the temple. But the temple, you've got to remember something about the temple. Do you realize the temple that he, he built storage areas around it? The temple was 16 to 20 stories high. Did you know that? The veil of the temple, in the temple, that was torn from top to bottom when Jesus was crucified, that veil was stories high. Which means nobody could climb up in there. They did have a place above the holy place, and there were openings, and they would actually take these big, long wooden poles, and they would clean the gold sides of the walls, because they couldn't go into the holy of holies, but they would clean it that way, because they could not go in there. He built this whole area around the temple, expanded it to have storehouses in it. It was a huge, massive structure in the center. So in the time of Herod, King of Judea, there was a priest named Zachariah, or your person might have Zacharias, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now I'm going to stop for a moment. I want you to think about this. This is interesting to me that the word Zechariah, I want you to write this down, put it in a note on your phone or something, or if you're looking at the notes, try to burn it in your memory. The word Zachariah means this. Remembered by Jehovah. Here is Mary's cousin's husband. Mary's cousin's husband. And he is in the temple. And his name means remembered by the Lord. Now it's an interesting name because his wife has never had a child. Think about this. His wife is barren. His wife has nothing. They're an older couple that has nothing. But yet his name means remembered by the Lord. Then all of a sudden, let's keep reading. Verse 6. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's command and increased blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very what saints? Old. Old. Once when the division was on duty and he was serving his priest before God, he was chosen by Lot and cast a lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the simple worshipers were praying outside. Don't miss this. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are calling what, saints? John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. A lot of parents want to say amen to that. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient the wisdom of the righteous, and make ready a people prepared for the Lord." God remembered Zechariah. His name meant remembered by Jehovah, or remembered by the Lord. And that's what his name means, and here, God remembered. Can you imagine, can you imagine when this is written? This is in Luke chapter 1. This is in the Gospel that Malachi records the ending of like the Old Testament words of God. And so most of the Jews in that area for 400 years did not believe God was even speaking to them for 400 years because there were really no prophets of God. And all of a sudden, God breaks through. Boom! And speaks. God remembered his people. Listen. I've entitled this sermon series "It's a Wonderful Life" because it's believers. It is a wonderful life. Yeah, I know some people are going, talk, You don't know the world. You don't know how bad things have happened to me. You, you don't you understand? Don't you see the news? Don't you see all the bad things are happening? Don't you see the super volcano okay, that's going to happen in Wyoming and 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 Yellowstone and out? Thurgoodson and don't you, know, you see—all the problems we're having with finances, and all the division, and all the things. But let me just tell you this: as believers, the Bible says, "In this world, you will have trouble." The Bible says in Romans eight, "There will be groaning; there will be birth pain; where the earth is longing to be put back to life." But for us, because we have been put back to life, it is a wonderful life because God remembers us. God remembers you. He remembers me in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering. God remembers us for 400 years there and in silence. And all of a sudden, God breaks through and speaks to his people. He speaks to the priest right there. Don't miss that. See, when we believe God remembers us, it is a wonderful life. Regardless of what happens, it is a wonderful life because we will trust Him with faithfulness and consistency. Go back to verses 6 and 7 in Luke chapter 1. Both of them, meaning Zechariah and Elizabeth, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's command and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, don't miss that because here's what he's saying. These two people were blameless in the sight of God because they put their faith in the power of God. They put their faith in the God of the power, and all of a sudden, they trusted God even when their circumstances said, Don't trust Him. Isn't that good news? Now yes, good news that God is still going to do something when you and I don't even expect it. God has not forgotten you. I want you to walk out of here today and remember something. God has not forgotten you. He is not a man. He doesn't lose sleep. He doesn't slumber. He is not forgetting anybody. He is brilliant and better than that. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. Though you might have a family that's jacked up, God has not forgotten you. Though you might have circumstances of friends that are messed up, God has not. Though you might be single, God has not forgotten you. Though you might be going through something really bad, God has not forgotten you. Though you might be questioning, what should I do from here on out? God has not forgotten you. And i want to tell you something. It doesn't matter if people remember you as long as God remembers you. Because at judgment day, it's not going to be what my wife says about me. And it's not going to be what my parents say about me. And it's not for to what my family or even you said about me, But what Jesus Christ says to me. That's what's going to remember me. That's what's going to matter. Does he remember me? See, when you trust God, it brings favor. They were trusting him. And that's why it says in verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. May that be our goal. It is a wonderful life because God, you know it's because of Jesus that we're righteous? Do you realize that? Of God. You go to tell you don't know my sins. You don't know how you don't know how that listen, if I can get us the, I can't own the spirit. If we can get to the point where we know we are right with God Almighty, it would change how we live. There's no fear of failure. See, y'all don't understand what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all could be today, or y'all still stuck in Jupiter Fan land turkey, you said, we're called a nurse, I mean, you're out. I mean, you understand, but I do my parents may be, up. Uh, may be, uh, I'm sorry my the best speaker. Can you turn this thing on? Yeah. Well, don't be judging me. I ain't going to bust out note. Okay, I ain't going to do that. So, but, <laughs> are you <the> a man? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going be a All right, here we go. So, like, when I was little, you know, your, your parents, you know, my parents might like, maybe go to, uh, piano lessons. With a lady, you know, I'm mean? like this, you know, what I'm taking her head and lessons. And we go to different chords, bikes, boring stuff, right? I mean, just boring, right? And she would, she would yell at me, like, get your hands like this. <laughs> Ma'am, look at you. If Methuselah was alive, you would hold than him." hand. <laughs> <laughs> look at you. I am eight years old. I don't care about my hands. I'm going to play football. You're going to play like this, and you're not going to, have to play like this. And I used to have yeah, some mad My I'm like, oh, come on, I don't, to, I don't want to mess with stuff like this. I don't want to mess with stuff like this. I want to, I want to play. And then he's like, no, so then we have recitals. i so, y'all no, don't talk about recitals. What? You know, we have to get Some of y'all are like, I ain't going to say that. I was preaching just my pants. All right, sorry. <laughs> so we sit in recital, and I'll be looking in front of people. I'll be all nervous. I'm like, okay. Swing set in the background. Y'all don't remember know my swing sets, don't y'all don't even know what Swing sets are. You're sing single with on Google. And so, <laughs> no, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. No, y'all don't even know what i So I, I didn't even stand on the same. But, So, I, I remember, I remember I said, if I break my finger, take away, if I break my finger, I won't have to play. Don't, don't look at me like I'm here. To play. That's how bad I, I didn't want to play. And so I would try to, to hurt my finger, but I was gutless. You know, I said, like, okay, I'm going to land on this, I'm going to jump off of my food. And I'm, I ran to all over and something, I was gutless because I didn't want to hurt my finger. I didn't want pain, I just wanted to break. You know, I didn't understand. So, this is me. You already put me some pain, John. We'll just get over it. Alright, so my, my point is, so I sit there and go, okay, why am I doing that? And we then keep a point, you know, when you get older, it really don't matter what people think. You know, when you're younger, yes, when you're younger, I'll say, you know, I'm like, so and so, he looks at me, like he's gonna say, I'm not very good looking, or I just didn't dress. I just want to say something. The people that you look at in high school that you think are good now, when they get older, they are ugly. <laughs> I mean, But here's what happens when you when you deal, when you just love Jesus, all that matters is what he thinks of us. So I remember so sometimes I, I've actually been thankful that my parents put me in the piano lessons. And, and so I'll sit there and play songs with all my kids. My kids will hear me sing and they'll tell me you don't sing, but I'll say, I'm not trying to please you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and so there was a song that, that meant a lot to me. And it gave us, there was, a, there was a, a verse, the last verse, and it said, If you're not come to die, so we all know what I'm talking about. Oh, you're not. I don't want you to go on <laughs> Come to die. Oh, Spirit Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. If you know anything about the holy place in the town now, there's the altar of incense. It's actually about three feet high. The little box had four horns on it, and they would put the incense, and there would be the smoke that would come up. It's just an image of prayer. And in Judaism, there's images for everything. In other words, over here is the menorah. The menorah is a lamp, and it had seven little almonds and brought this with the lights and over here was a table with the twelve loaves of the bread of presence. That's it. That's all that was in the holy place. And here he is praying. Here's the bell. Behind the bell is the ark and he's praying at the time of prayer. He's doing what God called him to do. He's put his hands in the plow and he has no back. He's doing what God called him to do and all of a sudden it says to the right side of the altar. Right there, an angel appeared. You know what the Lord showed me? God is real close. Closer than you may. The Lord remembers. He is a wonderful life. God has broken through and did something for us that we can't do. God has made us righteous, so we don't have to worry about what other people think. We just worry about what Jesus thinks. And if God is for you, he can get you, so we walk in that, and we circle it in that, and you might say, John, sometimes I feel like what I'm doing is meaningless. Here's what's going to happen when you're still with the Lord. That what you do is not meaningless when God says, well done. About what the world sees is about what we see. An angel of the Lord appeared to him at the right side of the incense altar. It wasn't about the menorah. It wasn't about the light in the room. It wasn't about the bread in the room. It was about when he was in prayer, God showed up. Because we're not speaking to a deaf God. It is a wonderful life. See, God remembers. Genesis 8.1 Noah was inside the ark it says this, Noah, it says in Genesis 8.1 But God, what's the next word saints? I mean come on we're excited. Remember, remember Noah. But God remembered Noah. Let's look at Genesis 30.22 It's not there, but it's going to get there. Then God, what saints? Rachel. God remembered. He remembered and gave her children. God consistently throughout scripture. God remember Acts 10.31. I love this. I love this. Cornelius was this was this God fear. That means he, he there was a God, but he didn't really, you know, know who this God was, and so. Appears to Peter in in a vision and says, Go speak to Cornelius and tell him about the gospel of Jesus. And then look what it says. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been what? And your alms have been what, saints? out, listen, here's the thing. If God puts it in the Bible, He puts it in the Bible because it's timeless, not just for them, but for us. If it was just for them, guess what would happen? It would not be written in the Bible to be remembered thousands of years later. Because He's trying to show us principles within the Scripture. Revelation 18.5, this, this is what's so awesome. Revelation 18.5 says this, For her sins have been piled up as high, I'm talking about Babylon, as high as heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. I want to show you something. I want to show you, I to teach you about the gospel and what's going to happen. We have been remembered by God as sinners because of Jesus. The people that don't know Jesus, their sins will be remembered and they will have the pain. So when somebody wrongs, you for doing what is right, that's why you bless those who curse you, because we don't have to remember what they've done to us, because God is remembering what they have done to him. And if you take a swing at the ride, you take a swing at the room. God is remembering. So at this Acts 10 31, when he says, your miracle is, I, I, I remember looking this up. I said, God, what is the intent behind this? I want you to know what it means, a prolonged remembrance. That's literally what it means. It means that God says, when He said, God remembered according to this and what He had done, He remembers that. It's like stuck in His mind. He remembers. It sticks out. He can't go over it. It's sticking out in God's mind. And that's what He's thinking about us. He's thinking that about us. The gospel of Jesus is always bigger than life because God remembers us. Point number one. Point number two. Let's move through this. The gospel of Jesus is always bigger than life because of God's timing. The gospel of Jesus is always bigger than life because of God's timing. Point number one, the gospel of Jesus is bigger than life because he remembers us. The gospel of Jesus is bigger than life. Point number two. Because of God's timing. Look at verses eight through ten. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by life. According to the custom of the priesthood. To go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembly worshippers were praying outside. Notice God's timing. When it was the time for corporate prayer, God did something. Did you notice that? All the worshipers were outside. Probably the priests were on the steps of the temple, showing up because they would do this as their custom. They might have been singing the Hallel passages. Hallel means praise. Psalm 113 through 118. Or some scholars think it might have gone to Psalm 111 through 118. And so they're singing these Psalms to the Lord as corporate worship was gathered for prayer. And here is the priest inside the very man chosen by God to be very closest to God gets a word from God when everybody thought God was dead. God's timing. And notice that his timing was not just for him. It means when God speaks to us, it's not just for us. Look at verses 11 and 5. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar, and says, when Zachariah saw him, he was startled, was grew with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, your prayer has been hurt. Your wife and husband will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And look what he said. You're not just giving a word for you. Whenever God gives you a word for you, it's really a word for everybody around you. So here's the angel right here. Here's the altar. Here's the angel, and he says, look, Zachariah, you are going to have a son, but your son is not for you because you have in righteousness but your son is going to bring many people back to Jesus. What he says, verse 14, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, Or he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Verse 16, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord the God. Whenever God moves, there's always, it's, it's not just for us. His coming—it It is a wonderful life. It is a wonderful life because of God's timing. God will show up and when he shows up, it's for something greater than us. And God's timing will always bring a sign. Look at verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. This is a Nazarite vow. Samson, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Now don't get all crying theologically on me. What do you think of Remember, Jesus was the word of God. And the word of God, the very word of God, became flesh. The Holy Spirit and, and Jesus, the very two of the three of uh, the Trinity, were together. But in the womb, the Holy Spirit, as we're going to read later on in Luke chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon Elizabeth and John the Baptist. So even in the womb, but notice for Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Very interesting. But he's going to be something powerful. There's always a sign. So the sign is this. You get to see that, that, that he is going to take this Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow, I, I, I was studying a little bit about that was was an external sign of what was going on the inside and it's a of separation so he says this but what he has to do he says he is never to take wine or other fermented drink for he will be filled with the holy spirit even before he is born let me just share with you a little bit about what this says in that it was about a separation from the world and devotedness really to god those who separate themselves to god must not gratify the desires of the body, and so that's why he said, "You know, there's, you can't have any wine, you can't get anything, anything that would gratify the body, anything that would gratify the body. You're not going to do that because you're going to gratify the the Lord God. So he would let his hair grow." He said, "They must not drink wine a strong drink or eat grapes. That's part of the Nazarite vow. Those who separate themselves from God must not gratify desires of the body, but keep it under the body. Let all Christians." Be very moderate in the use, he says. The wine is talking, all this stuff. Because it's easy to pray for Satan. He said, the Nazarites were to eat nothing that came of the vine. This may teach the utmost care to avoid sin and that all borders upon it. And then that's what leads us to temptation. So he said, hey, separate from that. Then he said, you know, on a Nazarite battle, the Nazarites wouldn't cut their hair. Remember Samson? Same thing. They don't cut their heads. They don't shave their beards. This is... Mark of Samson being and as like this signified kind of this neglect of the body. In other words, what he was saying is, is you remember the John the Baptist, the stories of John the Baptist? He would go out, and you know, he had this camel's kind of, you know, stuffed clothes stuff on, he had his belt around and into the world he kind of looked maybe disheveled and, and a little different. But yet he was holding to the Lord. It just tells you all the day that it doesn't matter what you and I look like Then we separate and we set ourselves apart, the world sometimes doesn't understand that. He was chosen by law. Look back at verse nine Verse nine says this: He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood. They cast lots, and he was chosen. Which means this: We are not here by chance. Only God can be all things to all people at all time. But God has chosen us. The Bible says many are called you were chosen, and God chose us. So while I'm actually going to here in this play, and I just want to kind of end with this, this kind of, this last one. But before I do it, I want to review this. Number one, is that it's a wonderful life because God remembers us. The gospel gives us something to Number two, it's a wonderful life because of God's timing. God has a purpose and a plan. If the answer has not been a no and you're getting a delay, yes, it's a test of faith, but in all things, I want you to know this, that God has a plan in it. He has a plan in it. And the third thing is, it's a wonderful life because of God's word. Go back to verse 11. Then the angel Standing at the right side of the altar of Jesus. when Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. I mean, obviously, everybody that encountered an angel was terrified. Just like the angel said to the shepherds, "Fear not! I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all peoples." But the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zachariah, or remember." Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. It's a wonderful life because of God's word. God has spoken to us. And what's interesting is this, is I want to just come kind of and it down a little bit more. God. wonderful life that God would allow us to communicate with Him. It's a wonderful life that God would even dial with us, that He would speak with us and talk with us. God hears, hears us. As I was trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, best I understand, it took me back to Genesis 21-17. And Genesis 21-17 says this, Context is this: Abraham, his wife's maid servant Hagar had given him a son named Ishmael. Sarah was so jealous about it. She said, "You gotta kick him out." So Abraham, with a broken heart, kicks him out. So they can give her some food and some wine skin and full of wine. Water, send him off. Send him off. And they go out there in the desert and basically there's nothing left. She says, Look, there's nothing left. The little boy's starting to cry. So she sets him down under a tree and she goes by a bow shot, the Bible says, a, a, a bow shot away and sits and says, I can't even bear to hear him cry until he's dead. Oh, it's so good. Look at verse 17 Genesis. Chapter Twenty One, Verse Seventeen. God heard the boy crying. God heard the boy crying. Here's what I want to say about this: Sometimes prayers aren't words. Okay, that sounds pretty good out over here. Sometimes prayers aren't words, are right? they? Sometimes all you can just sometimes you can't even say anything. Sometimes I, I mean, think about. It prayer. Think about when God gave her Samuel. When I mean, she was just moving her lips. And Eli, the priest said, what are you drunk? Like, what are you, what are you doing to keep coming here drunk like this? She's like, I'm not drunk, my heart's broken. Sometimes when you're with the Lord, sometimes it's you're speaking to God, sometimes you're even, you don't even know what to pray, but the fact that your heart is driven to Him, God will speak. God heard the boy crying. The angel of God called Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up. Take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of God opened her her eyes and she saw a well of water. Let me just say that one more time. God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. You know what prayer does? When prayer is a wonderful life, if God speaks by his word, when he speaks by his word, he opens our eyes. He opens our eyes to see the very things that he has for us. And so, here's what the most churches will get together and say, we need more time for corporate prayer. And so I, I pray to I, I know we have corporate prayer. You might be saying, how do we have corporate prayer? Because I believe when we come down and we spend time in front of the Lord, that in this corporate prayer, when we're praying over one another, seeking God for one another, beginning to call out in our brokenness, whatever it might be, for one another. Because we're asking God, one, to hear a prayer, to open our eyes. Maybe you have a decision you need to make and God needs to open your eyes. Maybe you need to uh, know what to do next. God will open your eyes. Maybe you're praying for somebody else and the opportunity, to all them, or leave them to the Lord, God will open your eyes. Whatever it might be, my prayer today is that God will open your eyes and remember, just because you don't see, doesn't mean God doesn't see. Because He's the God who sees the what He. God remembers you. Time, everything that happens. That needs to look like. Father, that is my prayer today. Lord, if there's people that just want to pray to you in a corporate setting, here it is. They can just come and be able to pray. I know there's all this crazy stuff up here. You and instruments and all, but God, we can come and we can deal with because you ask us. You are God who sees, you're a God who remembers, and you are God who speaks. And so, Lord, we're coming to you today and asking you to speak to us. We're asking for you to speak. Whatever it might be that we need to pray about. Maybe we need to pray for others, Lord. Maybe that's our prayer. Lord, I'm just going to personally put my prayer out there. Lord, I want you to speak to me. It doesn't have to be an audible voice. It doesn't have to be that. I just want you to speak to me so I know exactly the next step of your leading. So Lord, I can pour into these wonderful people that we call each other family, the family of God. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today God really remember me? Does God really have a timing for me? Is God really going to speak to me? The answer to all that is yes. The answer to that is yes. The answer in Jesus is yes.